The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. I'm glad that you've been able to come. Let's just pray together and then we're going to get into this second session. Father in the house, send forth your word, Lord, into our hearts. Cause your word to come alive within us. Let it bring life to us, O oh God, that we may be challenged, that we may be changed, that we may sincerely follow you and accomplish your will and your purpose upon the earth. We pray, Father, this morning, let your will be done and let your kingdom come amongst us. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I know it's over this side this time with the screen. What is all that about? Friday night, the screens were working. Saturday morning, this machine has stopped functioning. So we're on this side. So next week, it probably won't be fixed next week. So you might want to think in your diaries, get to church early so you can get on this side. Um, The Jesus Mission. Last week, we started on this particular series. And we were looking particularly last week at the beginning of Jesus' mission and how it all started out and how his mum, and it wasn't just because it was Mother's Day, obviously it helped, but we saw specifically how his mum was so involved in actually bringing Jesus to that point and helping initiate him into the start of his ministry. And this week we're looking at the second session today. I can't remember what it is. Oh, yes, I can. The title this week is The Mission Team... Choosing and Training the Twelve. The mission team, Choosing and Training the Twelve. It's going to appear. If it appears on both sides, that would be classed as a miracle. Okay. <laughs> if it appears on one side, then that would also be a miracle, but we'll get there soon. Um, choosing the team, so ch- uh, Choosing and Training the Twelve. Now, disciple, disciples and the whole thing about discipleship, we tend to think very much because we're Christians or we come to church, we understand this word, disciple. So it sort of connects in with us. But discipling was very well known in the ancient world. And certainly in the Jewish, amongst the Jewish people, to have a disciple or to have disciples was a clear understanding. It wasn't just something that Jesus did, that he initiated. This was something that was around for many years before. The Jewish rabbis wanted to teach people. The understanding amongst the Jews was that it was important to have the information, to have the Word of God, and to live from the Word of God. In fact, it was very important about how they lived. That was the key thing. So they understood the authority that the Holy Scriptures had, and they recognised that. And what they had was they had rabbis, and the rabbis would help them to understand how you actually live this out. So here's the Bible, this is what, what the scriptures, this is what the scriptures say, the Torah, this is what the Torah says. Now, how does that apply to my life? And so you'd have these rabbis who would teach people that. And these rabbis would have disciples. They would have people who would come to them and say, listen, I want to live God's way. 
So will you help me to live God's way? Will you help me to understand? I can read this in the scriptures or I'm having it read in the synagogue. Please help me to understand that. And so that's what the rabbis would do. And so these rabbis would say, right, well, you can come and be my disciple. But there's an understanding. If you're going to be my disciple, then you need to listen to what I say. And you need to put into practice. If you're coming to me saying, I want to learn, I want to understand, I want to find out what the right way to live is, then you need to come under my teachings. That's what a disciple was. So in the, in the context of the Jewish people, they understood discipleship. They understood this. The problem with it was, is that the rabbis just wanted to tell people what to do. It wasn't really a change of heart. It was as long as you're living the right way. Have you washed your hands before you've done this? Have you tithed this? And we understand that because when we look in the, in the Gospels and we see the stories, especially those relating to the religious leaders, everything is about performance. Everything is about how you do things because that's the way they would have been learned. So you had various rabbis and they would have different nuances on the way and the, the way that they would interpret. Oh, no, no, we think this is how this, what this means. Oh, no, no, another one would say, no, this is how you should interpret that. But there was a general understanding, that's what I want to bring you to, there's a general understanding of discipleship and of the fact that people had disciples and that they, were the call, they called them and they drew them to them. So just that, with that in the background, let us turn to Jesus and the calling of his disciples, the gathering of the twelve. So Jesus is choosing his disciples. So Jesus, how did he choose his disciples? Now again, when we have the Gospels, you need to understand that the Gospels are an account of what happened. They're written by different people. And just as in any situation, if there was an accident outside, when we went outside and we saw the accident, and there were three or four of us that saw it, you know, if we were all to then be taken apart and just write down what we saw and what we thought, we would come up with the same story, but also different stories. Or the car was blue where somebody might just say, well, there was a car. Somebody might, say, well, somebody might refer, well, the sun was shining and it was glinting off the windscreen. Somebody else might not mention it. But they're all talking about the same event, but from different things. And we see this a little bit when it comes to the calling of the disciples. As you go through the Gospels, we see where they're talking about, okay, the first calling of the disciples. In John's Gospel, he talks about the calling of, particularly, of Peter. And he actually goes back to talking about John the Baptist. Now again, I want to put into context, I mentioned a little bit about John the Baptist last week, but let's put into context, you've got rabbis teaching people, they have their disciples, and people are seeking to live right, okay? John the Baptist comes on the scene, and he is a sort of rabbi, right? But he's stirring people up. He's not just saying, look, it's not just about the way you live, whether you've kept the Sabbath, whether you've done this right, whether you've washed your hands at the right time, something needs to change inside. So he's bringing this whole thing of repentance. So John the Baptist is a rabbi. John the Baptist has disciples. John the Baptist is preaching a radical message. He's talking about not just the externals, but he's talking about the internals. He's talking about people being transformed. So John the Baptist is having this effect in the nation. He's stirring things up. Now we know that, of course, he had a function. His function was to prepare the way. So he's preparing the way for the coming of the Christ. But people didn't know that fully at the time. They just knew that this guy was out there and he was preaching a powerful message and people were repenting. Now one of the people who got caught up in this, in fact, two of the people who got caught up in this, one of which was 
Andrew, and he was Simon Peter's brother. So in other words, this is an ordinary fisherman who usually is working with his brother, fishing, but he's been going out and he's been listening to John the Baptist. And he's been hearing his teaching. And it's been affecting his life. And it's been changing his life. And he's there on that occasion when John the Baptist is saying, Behold the Lamb of God. And suddenly John the Baptist is pointing out Jesus Christ. We mentioned it last week when Jesus got baptised and the Spirit came down. For John, this was a big moment because he had heard from God, Oh, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend, he is the one who will baptise in the Holy Spirit. So John is now openly declaring to people, Hey, you know that stuff I've been teaching you about? This is the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. And as he was saying that, Andrew and his friend, who had been disciples of John the Baptist, they're hearing this. And they leave John the Baptist, they go off after Jesus. And it talks about the fact that they had this day with Jesus, then what does Andrew do? The first thing he does is he goes back and he gets hold of his brother and he says, we found the Messiah. You need to come and meet him. Now that's actually how Simon gets called. But the Gospels start to put this in different stories and give different bits of interest and emphasis. Because as we come to Matthew, Mark and Luke, we're looking at slightly different things. Matthew and Mark have the same information, but they tell it like this, that Jesus came up to these fishermen who were uh, fishing and they were with their nets, and Jesus was saying to them, come follow me because I'm going to make you fishers of men. And so that's the encounter that they get. So was it that actually the reason that Jesus came to them was because the day before, Andrew had said to Simon, you need to come and see Jesus. Do you understand what I mean? There's a whole picture going on here. And in actual fact, in Luke's Gospel, it gives slightly different emphasis. In Luke's Gospel, it says that Jesus came to where Simon Peter was, and he was fishing. And it's at the end of the fishing uh, session, so they just come back from being out on the water, and they caught nothing. And they just had a tiring night. It's one of those days, it was a rubbish day. Did he catch anything? No, we didn't catch anything. We've been out all night. And this man, Jesus who his brother had been getting so excited about, he just says to him, listen, you need to put out and put your nets down again. And he goes, oh, for goodness sake. Look, we've just done that. We're just tidying up. I want to go and have a cup of tea, or whatever the equivalent was at that time. I'm, gonna, you know, I'm just going to get some breakfast. Or I... Oh, because you say so, we will. And the story is that they pushed out from the shore. They went into the deep again. They put their nets down. Now, whereas they'd been toiling all night and caught nothing, they've now got so many fish, they can't even bring them in. The nets are breaking. This is like, wow, what has happened here? Now, you put all of those stories together, a disciple of John the Baptist, who's now heard that this is Jesus the Messiah, he's so, he's so passionate about this. Andrew has been changed. He's got to get this brother of his. He's been on at his brother for ages. He's been inviting him to things at the church or the synagogue for ages. And Simon hasn't seemed to want to come. But now Simon meets Jesus. Jesus says to him, I want you to come and follow me. I want you to be a disciple of mine. And also there's been this miracle which actually would make Simon think, yeah, okay, there's something about this guy. <laughs> there is definitely something about this guy. That's the whole story 
about how this first disciple or how these early disciples came to get picked. And then as we read about others, we read of somebody like Matthew. And later on, we just find that Jesus comes up to this tax collector. This guy who isn't religious, this guy, well, we don't know whether he's religious, but this guy who's, who's living on the dark side because he's all to do with taxes and, and there's corruption with the Romans. And so he's a bit of a sneaky sort of character. And Jesus also says, come follow me. In actual fact, now I'm understanding it. I'm seeing that Jesus must have been going round to loads of people, saying to them, hey, listen, come and leave your life. Come and follow me. Come and, come and do this. Because as we go through the Gospels, as you start to read them more fully, you see at times it's not just the 12. It's many people who are there. And you see, there comes a point when Jesus called disciples and we have this little bit of understanding about how he called some of them. We don't know how he called all of them. But then there comes to a point, and in Luke's Gospel it says, it was after he went up on the mountainside to pray all night, he came back and he made a decision of who of the 12 he were going to draw together. He made a decision then. Let me just see if I've got it here. It says, Luke 6, it says, One of those days Jesus went out onto a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. Do you notice that? He called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. Now, we don't know the number. Was there 25? Was there 13? We don't know, but there were more than. He called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them, and he appointed them to be apostles. Simon, who he called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called a zealot, Judas, son of James, Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So he called his disciples to him and he designated them to be apostles that they might have authority to drive out demons. So what I want to show to you is that Jesus called people, he called them to himself, and yet of those disciples, of those people that he'd called to himself, he actually called specifically 12 of them. And he spent the night praying before he did so. Now we haven't got time today to look into this, but we could look into the whole thing. Okay, so Jesus spent the whole night and he ended up with this 12. There is a sense there you think like, did he not hear from God? I mean, one of them is going to betray him. You know, he's got tax collectors, he's got all sorts. Jesus loves to bring in all sorts. Can you hear that? He loves to bring in all sorts. Too many of us discount ourselves because of this, because of that. I'm not as good as this person. I don't feel as good as that. Look at the work that I've done. Look at my history. Jesus calls all sorts. And we need to remember that. He also draws people to himself. And as I say, he drew the 12 more specifically to himself. Wow. All of these disciples were called. And all of these disciples were chosen. We don't often think about ourselves as being called, but rather perhaps we look back at, well, I made a response, or my friend, and it wasn't necessarily a friend called Andrew, but my friend brought me to a concert, to a service, to a breakfast, to a meeting, and I heard about Jesus then, and I understood about that. We think of that as how we came to know Jesus. 
But I was thinking about this, and the Bible says this, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. That's what Jesus said. Nobody can come to Jesus unless God is actually drawing them. And we've got to take encouragement from that. But then he also says this, John 15, verse 16, the Bible says this, talking of ourselves, we did not choose him, but he chose us. So every one of us we're seeking after Jesus, who knows Jesus, can say this, I was, I was chosen as one of his disciples. You're reading the scriptures about Peter, or Andrew, or Philip, or Matthew, or Judas. Jesus chose them, Jesus has chosen us. I didn't choose you, but you have chosen me. And then we could say, well, okay, but they were disciples, and then they were apostles. And the apostles were designated. They were sent ones. Go and do this. So I could, I'm just a disciple. But you see, this scripture doesn't just say that. It says that he not only chose me, but he appointed me to go and bear fruit. So we have been appointed. Not just chosen. Not just, oh, maybe one of those could be one of the good ones. Could make it sometime into the inner circle. We have been chosen by God. We have been appointed by God to be disciples of Jesus Christ. I found that most encouraging. It gives me a lift to think of the fact that he has actually appointed me. He's appointed you. He has chosen you for his purposes. Are you seeking Jesus? Are you in here this morning not knowing Jesus, but you're seeking Jesus? Nobody can come to him unless the Father draws them. You're not here by accident. You're here because God is calling you. He's drawing you. He wants you to know him. And maybe there's questions. Lots of us have questions. I've got questions and I've been walking with God for a long while. I still have questions. We all have questions, but we can bring our questions before God because he wants to help us. If you're seeking him this morning, then I want to encourage you to keep pressing in to know him to have relationship with him. Are you a true disciple? Again, just thinking about there were this 12, but there were many others. Those many others sometimes were just hanging on, not because they wanted to learn about the way of life that Jesus wanted to leave them in, lead them into, but because they were looking for food. You know the story of the 5,000? The feeding of the 5,000, Jesus used that situation to teach his own apostles teach his own disciples something he wanted to teach them about the provision that God can give in the face of many people there's 5,000 people here we've got just a small sandwich box how are we going to reach them all but by praying over this food Jesus enables everyone there to be fed and more than enough they pick up 12 uh, scrap 12 baskets of leftovers afterwards so everybody's had enough but then the next day they've got people coming after Jesus and Jesus says you're only coming after me because you're looking for food well, what sort of disciples are we? Are we only coming after Jesus because we want the benefits? Hey, I want to get to heaven. I want to make sure that I get over that line. I want to make sure that I get to that glorious place. But as for living the way that he wants me to live, have I got any interest in that? You see how there's suddenly there's, there's disciples and there's disciples. There's people who are hanging on or there's people who are saying, listen, you have the way for me to walk in. You are the one who is the truth. And I want to walk in that way. So we want to be encouraged 
with that. But this is the choosing. So Jesus not only called his disciples and gathered this 12 together, but he also trained his disciples. And just now, the second point, and there are only two points, but this second point has six points. See? <laughs> so we've got the calling of the disciples and we've got the training of his disciples. And I've got six things I just want to look at under this and we will be quick this morning. First of all, how did, how did Jesus train his disciples? We know that having called them, he's brought them to him. But having brought them to him, there is a training process that goes on. And there's lots of elements in this training. It's not just, oh, he gave them training. You know, that's it. There's various aspects to the training. My, my first point here is understanding. Jesus gave them understanding. Now, this was critical for any disciple. It's critical for us. We need to have understanding of who he is. Jesus is not just a man. And his disciples needed to learn that. He's not just a man. Jesus is the Son of God. He is holy man. He is holy God. Now you stop, well, how does that work out? How can that be? You see, your mind gets confused. So you've got to actually got to put your mind down. Hang on a second. Jesus is fully man, but he is fully God. And as disciples, we need to understand that. And that was the same for the disciples, the 12 then. They needed to understand that. So Jesus went through a whole process of things and the process was to help them to understand that he's not just a man, but that he is the Son of God. And so as they were with him and seeing things, they were learning that. Jesus is saying things like, I and the Father are one. You see, in the, in the way that he taught, he was mentioning things to them just to let them know, oh, what are you saying? I and the Father are one, so you are making yourself, because this is the man, they thought, you're making yourself equal with God. Yes, because I am God. But he wasn't going around saying, I am God, I am God. He wanted them to understand there's so much more to this man, Jesus. So in his teaching, he was trying to develop that and give them their understanding. In John 5, 19, for instance, Jesus gave them this answer, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself, he can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son does. So in his teaching with them, he's trying to get, look, do you understand, guys? I'm not just doing stuff, I'm doing the things that God is doing. I, I'm, if you like, I'm mimicking what God's doing, okay, I'll do that on the earth. So he's trying to help them to understand that God is his Father, and you know what, if you look through John's Gospel, you see this storyline, if you like, being un unfolded before us because finally it gets to John 16. And then in verse 29, it says this, Then the disciples said to Jesus, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. It's like, gee, at last, we've got there. <laughs> at last, they've understood. This makes us believe that you came from God. You see, one of Jesus' teaching things with his disciples was he needed them to understand that he's not just a human being. He was the Son of God. So they needed to come to that understanding. Now, point two, he did this, come and see. One of Jesus' training method, methods with his disciples was to say to them, come and see. Basically, it's saying, like, hang out with me. Come and be with me. Come and see how I do things. 
Come to where I go. Come and see what I do. Just come along with me and experience life with me. And this will help you. And of course, as they did this, this helped in that understanding that he wasn't just a man, that he was truly the Son of God. They saw Jesus heal the sick and cast out demons. Matthew 4, verse 23 reads like this, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Chaos, basically. There's chaos, but there's wonderful chaos. People are coming from all over the place. They're bringing all sorts of sick and paralyzed people. The disciples are with Jesus, and they're not just seeing a praying meeting. They're not just seeing the laying on of hands. They're seeing people being set free, being transformed, paralyzed people being made well. It's the sort of stuff you see, you go home and you talk over with everybody. Did we see that? Is that what really happened? Hey, let me hear it again. Let me hear these stories. Have you heard about this? This was going on all around. This affected. The disciples came and were with him. And they saw all sorts of things. All sorts of things. They saw this healing. They saw him praying. They saw him praying and it made them say, teach us to pray. So they actually saw him in his prayer life. And it doesn't exactly say what he was doing, but then they said, hey, teach us to pray. So something about what they saw with Jesus caused them to say, hey, we want some of that. We want to know how that happened. They saw him having the power over the wind and the waves. Recently we talked about this story. There they are in the boat, and Jesus stands and says to the storm, be still. And this raging storm and this water that's coming into the boat suddenly calms down. He says, they were terrified. What manner of man is this? They were in the boat without Jesus and they saw Jesus that time walking on the water to them. They saw that. They saw Jesus raising up Lazarus from the dead. They saw Jesus interacting with the whole of society, not just those people who knew the religious things, but they saw him interacting with the sinners Actually, people who said, like, you shouldn't be with them. You know, if you knew what sort of a woman she was, then you wouldn't want to have anything to do with her. That's what Simon said when he'd invited Jesus to his house for dinner and this woman came in and breaks this box of of perfume and starts putting it on Jesus' feet. He's thinking, gosh, if he knew what sort of a woman she was, how can he be a prophet? He doesn't even understand. But Jesus knew. Jesus accepted all sorts of people. Jesus went out and had dinner with Zacchaeus, another tax collector. He went out to meet people. They saw that Jesus interacted with women as well as with men, with all sorts of people from society. They saw that Jesus had an open heart. They saw that Jesus wanted to bless children as well as talking to adults. Jesus was open with all sorts of people. But they also saw Jesus reacting or interacting with the religious leaders of the day. Jesus told things straight. Matthew 15 says this, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, 
Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. You see how you're encountering different areas of discipleship? These rabbis were saying, hey, listen, before you eat, you must wash your hands. So they're looking at Jesus' disciples and saying, what's the matter with your guys? Don't they care about the rules and regulations? They're not getting it right. They're not living right. Why didn't, what are you going to say about this? And Jesus, of course, then goes into some teaching to everybody. And this is the time when he talks about the fact, listen, guys, you're so worried about washing the outside. Let me tell you where the wickedness comes from. It comes from in your hearts. It's not about washing your hands. Your hands doesn't change your behavior. It's inside your hearts. So he tells them it's what comes out of a man. That is what causes corruption in a person. So Jesus is giving this teaching, and then it goes on to say, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand, what goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but is what comes out of his mouth. That's what makes him unclean. Then his disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when you said this? You see, he's... (laughs) Jesus, don't you understand? You are being offensive. You need to be a bit more politically correct. They're learning about every section of society. They're learning at times, you need to say the truth. It's going to have a reaction, but you still need to get the truth across. They learned so many things. How did they learn? They learned by understanding who Jesus was. They learned by being with him and seeing what he was doing. Not only did they learn in those ways, but thirdly, they learned by going and doing. The twelve were sent. There was a time when Jesus says, guys, you've had enough listening to me. It's time for you to do it. Just imagine what that was like. Oh, you've seen me heal the sick. You've seen me raise uh, uh, paralyzed people. Okay? Everything all right so far? Yeah? Right, well, now it's your turn. You said, what? Oh, no, no, I give you authority. By the way, he's saying the same to us. Right here. Right now. We're saying, but we haven't seen these miracles. We're waiting to see these miracles. But Jesus is saying, listen, all my miracles, you've come with me, you've seen it in the Word. I want you to trust in who I am. But I also want you to go and do the same. Go and do what I have been doing. Go and heal the sick. Go and pray for them. Lay your hands on them. In Mark 16 it says, of us Christians, you will lay your hands on sick people and they shall recover. You will cast out demons. What are we going to do? Are we going to stuck in that place where we haven't seen it? We haven't been taught correctly. We don't know. Are we going to stay there or are we going to say, Lord, in your word you have done this. Bring me into alignment with your word. It's a big challenge for us as the church of today. But just so that we don't just jump and say, well, it's all right for them. It's not all right for them. It's the same. And Jesus is saying to us, it's not just about listening to me, it's about going and doing as well. And there is a sense in which we need to go and do. Now, when there's going and doing, when you've actually gone and done a job, there's a fourth point here, there's always feedback that needs to be given. And Jesus, he, did, he gave feedback. The interesting thing is, I don't read that Jesus, or it's not put down that Jesus went around saying, guys, well done! Oh, you did so well. Great. I really loved the way you did that. That's not really the feedback that Jesus gave. Jesus' feedback was much more about bringing you into truth all the time. Now, that's okay. That sounds okay. 
And at times, it was okay. When Jesus sent out the 12, they went out and they, they healed people. They came back with joy. He then sends out 72. So it's not just the 12, it's, it's a wider group of disciples that he sent out. Luke 10 reports on this. It says, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Stop. We are now expecting. And Jesus said, guys, you've done a fantastic job. This is brilliant. I really want to thank you for what you've been doing. He doesn't report that. He replies, Jesus replies, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. See, he's, he's announcing truth to them again. Of course that's going to happen because this has happened. Satan was cast out of heaven. He's beneath us. We have power and authority over him. We need to understand that we have authority over him. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is feedback. This is teaching that Jesus is giving. But it's not quite, well, we're looking like, well, we've done such a good job. How great. How nice. We're looking for lots of nice, encouraging words. Jesus just wants to keep people on the mission. Listen, I've given you authority. I want you to overcome. Nothing's going to harm you. Don't be afraid. Get out there and do the work. But listen, stop saying, oh, I cast out demons. I did this. Look how wonderful. Don't fall into that place of pride. Remember this. It's because your names have been written in heaven. Remember, in, in effect, he's saying, remember, who chose you? Who called you? Who's released you? Who's forgiven you? Who's given you this power? Remember that. So there's some feedback there. But now I've told you the nice feedback. The other times that I read about tend to be a little bit more sharp. Oh, ye of little faith! Jesus kept on at his disciples. What's the matter with you guys? Where is your faith? Your faith needs to be in who I am. So there they are, there, and the wind and the waves have now quietened down, and they're, they're actually pretty excited about this. In fact, they're not just excited. <gasps> who is this guy? And he's saying to them, where's your faith? What's the matter with you? Where's your faith? When there's the situation, Jesus has come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. He finds the disciples trying to do what they're supposed to do. Brilliant. They're trying to cast a demon out of a boy who's got epilepsy or is suffering from demon affliction. And this, it looks like epilepsy. That's what it looks like. Because the, the demon casts him into the fire. He falls over. He trips up and all sorts of things are going on. He foams at the mouth. And the disciples are trying to cast this out. And there's all sorts of stuff going on. There's noise going on. There's a crowd around. So there's a, the boy's the center of attention, but not in a good way. And all of this is coming, what's going on, says Jesus. And the father of the boy comes to Jesus and says, I brought my son to your disciples because this is his problem for them to cast out the demon. But in fact, he's saying, but they're not having much luck. So Jesus gives feedback. Oh, unbelieving generation. You know, it's, where, where's the sympathy? Jesus, we were having a go. We were trying to do the right thing. Jesus is telling them, look, the problem with you is that you're not believing. And the father's saying, oh, gosh, you know, I feel a bit difficult about this. You know, if there's something you can do, if, listen, everything is possible for him who believes. You hear that? Everything is possible for him who believes. 
Okay, let's get ourselves in the right place. Now, at least with the disciples later on, they came to one side and he took them to one side and they said, Jesus, what, what was the problem? We were trying our best. This is probably the most sensitive time with Jesus. We were trying our best. And he just says to them, listen, guys, sometimes this type takes not just casting out, but it takes prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is required. Okay. A little bit more teaching. But you see, Jesus gave feedback. He told his disciples to come with him, let him see what's going on, and he gave them feedback after they had done that. Sometimes it seems harsh. Listen, let me ask you a question. Do you, how do you find feedback? You, you embrace feedback? You want feedback from Jesus? Are you ready to take it in the way that he gives it? Do we take offense? Are we really prepared to learn? Are we prepared to get our hands dirty? Are we prepared to make mistakes and learn from them? Are we too proud? Oh, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to look foolish. You know, what if? What if I tried to share my faith and I said the wrong words and nobody... It's challenges. I don't have the answers to these questions. They're challenges. I feel afraid at times. I feel like I'm going to look stupid. So we're in the same boat, but... If Jesus was here, he'd be telling us, listen guys, there's a problem you've got. You're an unbelieving generation. You're not getting hold of things in the way that I want you to. You're not doing things in the way that I want you to. So there's a problem. You've got to get over that problem. Are you an unbelieving people? You've got to have faith in me. You need to, look, he may not be, as it were, with us doing the same thing as the 12, but everything we need for life and godliness, everything we need, for life and godliness has been given to us in the scriptures. So what are we doing? Are we leaving it on the shelf and just letting it gather dust? Or are we bringing it with us on a Sunday so at least it looks like we've got one? Or are we opening his word? Man shall not live on bread only, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Because there is life in these scriptures and we need that life in us that we, as his disciples, may accomplish the works that he wants us to accomplish here upon the earth. Folks, we, we need to be prepared to think about whether we're, we're ready to listen to the feedback that Jesus wants to give or whether we're going to take any attention to that feedback. Two more points. Jesus gave his disciples time to process. When you read the gospel accounts, and we've been through all this, you think like, boy, these guys have got it. They, they were with Jesus. They saw him do it. They began to understand that he's the son of God. And then Jesus goes to the cross. that even for Jesus he knew that these guys they needed time to process things I find that encouraging I, God allows us to process things we've got to work stuff through it's not that we understand the disciples had been with him and they didn't understand everything they didn't understand he told them I'm going to the cross he told them I'm going to suffer at the hands of men he told them I'm going to rise again but when the cross came and when he was killed they were all over the place. They're literally all over the place. And even more, when he rose again, so the tomb is empty. The tomb's empty, are you sure? They, they, they don't quite sure what to do. Luke. It says, uh, I'll just quote a few things. At first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realise that these things had been written about him and that they had 
uh, they had done these things to him. There's a sense in which, oh, now. Time for processing needed to take place. On the, day, the third day, when the ladies had been to the tomb and discovered that the, the stone had been rolled away, they came back to talk to the apostles. It says that they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense to them. In our journey, there's processing that needs to happen. So don't always chastise yourself for not understanding. But say to God, God, let me understand you. Help me to process these things. The disciples had that. But having got through that time of processing for these disciples, there was a time when they finally found confidence. And when we get through the whole thing of the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, so Jesus has left them now. And as you start to read into Acts, and we have the day of Pentecost, you get that wonderful story when Jesus, uh, when uh, Peter and John went up to the gate, out to the temple, and they go through the gate beautiful. And there's that beggar man, that guy who's crippled. And he's look, asking for money. And, and Peter turns to look at him, and the guy is thinking like, wow, I'm going to get something here. So you can imagine a beggar has connected with Peter. And Peter's words to him are so encouraging. Silver and gold I do not have. What's the point in you even getting my hopes up? But now his confidence comes in. Because Peter says, but what I have, I give unto you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up. And the man was healed at that moment. Confidence. Confidence had come. He now wasn't just with Jesus or thinking about it or trying to do it, or processing it, or going through all of those things. But now he'd come to a place, as had the other disciples, they'd come to a place of confidence. This man is the Son of God. And whether he's on earth or whether he's in heaven, he's now sent his Holy Spirit to us that we can accomplish everything that he has put for us to accomplish. We can walk with him. That's what he said to them. And that confidence came over them. As I finish here, where are we? Where are we in this training process? Have we gained the understanding that Jesus is the Son of God? He's not just a good man. Jesus is wholly human, but he is also the Messiah. He's wholly God. He is God who has come to help his people. Are we true disciples or are we just following after Jesus because we're hoping he's going to give us a few benefits? We haven't been called for that. We have been called and appointed to bear fruit. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Are we true disciples? That particular thing really spoke to me. I thought to myself this morning, am I hanging around Jesus because I'm looking for something for him to give to me, that I'm looking for the benefits? Or am I hanging around because he's called me to say, listen, I want to train you to do my work. Are we ready to be trained to do his work? Or are we ready just to go as far as we feel able to today? And we're calling the shots. That's not being a disciple. A disciple is saying, I allow you authority over my life so that you can do what you want to do through me. I find it challenging. 
Where are we at? We can respond to him again this morning. Are we responding to him because he is giving us his call? I want you to come and be my disciple. So for the first time we're saying, Lord, I want to respond to you. Or do we need to respond to him to say, Lord, I've been a wayward disciple. I've been an all over the place disciple. I haven't been a true disciple. I've been a hanger on, but I want to be one who produces fruit. We need to come to him and say, Lord, please receive me and help me to walk in your ways. Let's stand and sing the song.